to the Mind Podium, where we talk about all things mental health. I'm your host, Piyali. Having lived with clinical depression and anxiety for over 23 years, I aim to reduce the shame, stigma, ignorance, and apathy around mental illness, raise awareness around mental health, and through meaningful, open conversations, give hope to those who are struggling. My guests for this show are Sagar Menon and Nilika Chakraborty, two great Samaritans who founded Chitta, a social venture that focuses on combating student suicide and increasing accessibility to therapy for Indian students. They founded Chitta in March 2020 and have been recipients of the Diana Award, which is one of the most prestigious awards given to a young person for their social humanitarian work and is in the memory of the late Princess Diana. First question that I have for you is that, you know, at 22, you guys are actually changing the world, right? I mean, thing at 22, you guys are doing so much more than what the average 40-year-old is doing. And that itself is such a source of, you know, huge inspiration for a lot of us. And uh, what I want to understand is, you know, what is it like to be founder straight out of college and do something which is so purpose-driven because you guys are actually saving lives and what can be more uh, noble than that, right? So talk to me a little bit about, you know, what is it like to be founders at at 22? So I think... um... It's really exciting when you put it that way because I don't think Sagar and I really, you know, look at it that way. Because for us, uh, when we first had this idea, it happened because, you know, we were just sitting and we were, as students, we were just ranting about the education system, like the Indian education system and why, you know, we faced, as students, we faced mental health issues. And then suddenly we had this opportunity that came along our way, which was Harvard World Month. So there was this competition called the Social Venture Challenge. And that's when, you know, we went and we pitched our idea. And that's when, you know, it all kickstarted. It's something that started in college. And I think one very defining moment for us was when we did win the Resolution Fellowship at the Social Venture Challenge. That's when, uh, you know, there was a one person, like, you know, he's the founder of the Resolution Project, which is a New York-based organization. So his name is George. So he, during the closing ceremony and uh, award ceremony, he mentioned that, you know, should young people wait to lead? or to, you know, bring about change. And everyone back, you know, in the podium went like, no. And that's when we knew that, you know, we were onto something. And I don't think there's an age that defines when you should start creating change. Yeah, I and uh, since then, everything's just fallen into place. Like when we did start, it just started with a small idea back at Candy's when we were, you know, just having a conversation, Candy's banner. And then like suddenly we went to Spain, pitched, about the idea to the competition then we won the grant the fellowship and then today you know it's almost been two years that we've started Chitta and uh, we did start Chitta when we were in college now we're out of college so uh, it's a little uh, tough to be balancing a full-time job in my case and Sagar runs another startup so I let him yes I'm aware yeah yeah, Mocha, right? Uh, both of you have had your own sort of share of struggles with mental health issues, right, as students. Um, I think that uh, when I look at the mental health community today, including myself, right, most of the people that are doing something in this space are actually people with lived experiences. And because they have gone through uh, what they have, um, you know, it, it, they sort of know how painful it is to actually kind of go through it, deal with it, and also have the added pressure of sort of dealing with the stigma and, um, you know, the needless sort of ju- judgment that kind of comes with it. So talk to me a little bit about your personal journeys with mental health, you know, the fact that you both struggled at some level and it was all due to academic pressure, which is a very, very real concern today. And it has been a real concern for a very long time. You know, at what point did you both, because I do know that you both went to the same college, you both went to Narsimoji and uh, I don't know if you both were classmates. I'm, I'm guessing not because you did like different uh, courses is what I know. But at what point did you both kind of collaborate to say that, listen, you know, if I'm going through, you are going through, there's so many other people, young people like us that is that that's sort of struggling. What can we together do to address this huge problem? 
Right. Uh, yeah, that's a very interesting question, Jali. Uh, and I'm so uh, it, it's so interesting that you've done the research that both of us were in different courses and everything. It just makes the conversation. Yeah. I mean, so that's the least richer. I can do. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I think of problems, I think of problems and I think of scale. Again, pro- I'm so sorry for uh, the startup lingo. It's probably because I've been in this space for so long. But it's essentially trying to understand how many people uh, go through the same lived experiences I did. And the fact that it was so common is what really got me thinking. You know, if if it was uncommon, you would think, okay, this is a one-off problem that you have to figure out on yourself. That, hey, this is a problem and this is how you're going to try and solve it. But when I realized that this lived experience is incredibly common and it shouldn't be, uh, is right. when, it, when it, you know, really got me thinking that, you know, this is, this shouldn't be ordinary this is this is mm. this is actually something that shouldn't be ordinary and the fact that we treat, normalize it and treat it like like you know like if you look at this you just mentioned the statistics in india as well those are staggering statistics why do kids think giving up their lives is the final resort why is that even an option why are there no options before that and uh, it's here the issue is uh, in india uh, specifically the issue I truly believe when I, you know, thought started thinking about this, is that people simply don't know that these, you know, support channels exist or this is something that they can uh, get access to. True, and, true, uh, absolutely. To think about it, uh, like uh, to introspect a little further as well, I realized that there are two fundamental issues. One is awareness. Second is affordability. Mm-hmm. When you are a college student uh, with a Indian family system where there is so much stigma. Uh, related to mental health issues you even if you come from a privileged family it becomes incredibly difficult to manage funds for uh, you therapy. know uh, therapy because a yes. lot of people give me examples that hey you know 500 rupees 600 rupees mm. is just like one one time that you go out I, and i don't i don't really get that analogy because going out with your friends is something that's almost mandated when you're in college it's like a social life you're supposed to have Apart from that, like we have as college students, since I was in college just one year ago, I know how scarce resources were. Like you still yeah. had to ration, okay, this is how much I, I get to go out with friends. This is how much, because you still have to ask from your parents. And and the, yeah. there is still- You're not friction. making your own money, yeah. Exactly. So yeah. then at that point to actually save some money up for your mental health is a foreign concept, is a concept people are still trying to wrap their head around. And if you, in that situation, I tell them that you have to give thousand rupees per session and you will have to take at least six, seven sessions to actually see some progress uh, is, is absolutely ridiculous for a student. They're like, I'd rather not do this, which is why you see so many analogies. Like if you are a part of the meme culture, you will see a lot of analogies where people say shopping is my therapy, running is my therapy. So people are actually trying to find replacements to actual therapy with these activities which is again a dangerous track that people shouldn't take if it's a joke great as long as you're going to therapy and doing shopping that's fine but if you are saying things like shopping is my therapy it triggers me that's not a replacement at all for for medical health right i mean exactly and people don't people don't get how strong the uh, statement that is it's a very strong statement because taking therapy is actually life-changing it was life-changing for me and if you take it yourself you'll realize how how it can drastically change the way you live your life but until people get there we will still see analogies like these and that's when i know how mainstreamed mental health problems were and how normalized it was to not go to therapy and i and i couldn't blame students for it and that's when you realize that okay affordability is a problem and awareness is a problem so how do you tackle both of these problems at scale for Indian students, like very specifically Indian students. Because once you are a professional, awareness is being generated by, say, your corporate, like maybe your offices are taking responsibilities to generate awareness, or you have different channels through which you can access help because you have money in your bank and you can go out there and seek help. I'm not saying it's they, they absolutely go directly and seek help. Of course, there are issues that come and there are obstacles that are there, there as well. But I, as a student, felt like here the issue is that they don't consider it to be an option or it isn't an option for them at all. So that's a different problem altogether. You need to first 
tell them that hey this is an option and you can actually reach out to an organization like this uh, nilika tell us a little bit about your your journey with mental health uh, i i do know that you did struggle as well uh, earlier in your life and at what point did you realize that something was not okay that the symptoms that you were experiencing were not okay and that perhaps you needed professional help and how did you go about reaching for that help what was your uh, initial reaction what were your uh, you know what was the reaction of your parents what is the role that they played because the next question that i'm going to ask is definitely going to be about the role of the support system um so i want to know you know a little bit about your mental health uh, journey definitely so i think my mental health journey is quite similar to sagar and like a lot of other students so when i speak it's almost as if i'm speaking as a collective voice for all of us because we literally been through the same thing so uh, for me uh, at least it was you know it began in the 11th grade when i started preparing for je which was like for the iits and you know the top uh, institutes engineering institutes so uh, till the 10th grade I, i'd always been like a straight you know grade a student and uh, i come from a bengali household sagar comes from a south indian household so we're very academically oriented you know uh, families so uh, you know um, having said that you know it was never that my parents would ever pressurize because they would be like you know whatever you're doing we're here to support you so you know on the family front no complaints because they were never the ones who were putting pressure on me it was me like i always wanted to push myself beyond my limits and you know i really attached a lot of my self worth to how i performed and how i was perceived in terms of like say academics extracurriculars things like that so in 11th and 12th i felt like uh, all i had was academics to prove my metal and everything else was sidelined like everything else that i would was good at and they would just tell us in class that you know uh, these two years forget everything forget fun don't do anything only study study and i feel like that is never a route you should take because like you know all work and no play makes jack a dull boy so i feel like i got really overwhelmed with that and i couldn't cope with the kind of competition and the pressures that that brought and that's when i started having issues with like you know mental health and things like that and back then mental health as a concept was not something we were aware of so you know um, if i would complain to it about like you know to my friend or to a parent they had no idea right they would just be like go maybe take uh, take a 10 minute break take a walk meditate yep. it will yeah. be better mm-hmm. but therapy we we had no idea that something like that existed so two years i think i struggled a lot and like um, I was really really bad like I lost interest in like one of my favorite subjects and I was contemplating should I continue taking engineering am I worth it but eventually I did get into you know NMIMS and I was like pretty happy about that and then uh you know that's when in NMIMS again since we come from a privileged background and NMIMS had the option of an in-house counselor I found that out through the website so it was i think world mental health day or something on the website and i quickly went on that and i read up that we had an in-house counselor and that's when i really you know uh, went to her and then figured things out like you know two years of pent up stuff i started therapy in my first year of college and uh, that's how things unraveled and then i got to know that okay some thing like this exists and i wanted to ensure that if there were other students struggling with the same thing and feeling lost because they didn't know what they were going through i felt like we should have you know we should at least provide some sort of platform where people students can get connected to mental health organizations and professionals and another thing was uh, since i was a student i was getting therapy for free from college so that was another thing so th- there was no cost barrier because of that but at the same time people from the lower privileged classes or people who don't have in house counselors and people who are not students but they're just starting out their careers they also cannot afford you know such high rates for therapy and uh, that's when i think i got to thinking and then i you know uh, luckily sagar and i we were worried about the same issues we were talking one day and that's how you know the entire uh, process started and we were like you know we should really do something and create a platform and as sagar mentioned affordability accessibility things like that we were trying to come to and nilika were you diagnosed with a disorder or was it more about taking therapy uh, and you know just trying to like you said release your pent up feelings uh, that were bottled up inside you and it, you didn't even know who to talk to about all of that no i wasn't uh, diagnosed with any disorder it was purely right. because you know of the stress and so there's this thing like usually uh, psychologists do not give you labels but uh, there are certain terms they will use you know that you know so for me they said that you're high functioning 
so that's basically mm-hmm. someone right. who is like very productive and then you're productive till you burn yourself out so it's just different mechanisms of like ways in which people operate in general so i'm like i get i have moments of like productivity where i want to socialize where i want to do everything and then i do it till i'm just completely burnt out which is not right so you need to find the balance so that's how i realized that that is what i was doing wrong and you know then i started working on myself and till date i do go to therapy like i did take a break when i felt better right but again right. like when I, whenever i feel the need to i do consult a therapist you know i i just feel that you know it's so interesting what nilika said and which is why i wanted to sort of delve a little deeper into understanding was it a diagnosis or was it more about ah, hey i'm just not feeling good and i want to go see somebody and talk to the person because i think it's just so important for us to understand that mental health is a spectrum and i think this is just so critical for people to understand right and i i mean i've of course written extensively about it uh, because i'm i'm a diagnosed mentally ill person and you know on one end of that of, of that spectrum is people who are diagnosed with an illness like me for example right i have clinical depression and anxiety which i've been battling for the last 23 years and uh, there could be people with several other different kinds of disorders like adhd or bipolar disorder schizophrenia and so on right on the other end of the spectrum are people who are in a good spa- space mentally but obviously will have to you know maintain their mental health because it is also about maintenance it's not as if it's something that you sort of take for granted because just as you don't take your physical health for granted you can't take your mental health for granted and then somewhere in between are let's say people like you and 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 nilika who have had gone through some kind of a struggle and they may not be able to put a name to it and maybe they've not been diagnosed with a disorder and it's probably not that that serious and yet it is important for them to kind of reach out for help and i think that is the level of awareness that is missing today in our country right to say that you you don't necessarily have to exhibit all symptoms of depression for you to actually reach, reach out for help even if you're just somebody that's not coping well with the current environment that you're in for example covid for example you know uh, online classes for example you know 11th grade like nilika said not able to cope you just you know want to go and see someone right and i think you know the 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 question that i'm coming to next is you know obviously data based and you know this is something that uh, i mean i've read up extensively on it and i do know that you know uh, more than 50% of mental illnesses actually start uh, kind of appearing before the age of 14 in in a person right it happened with me i was diagnosed when i was just 13 years old because of of course what was going on at home and things like that but i was diagnosed when i was that young right but there is also data to suggest that between the time that you get diagnosed as a child or an adolescent let's say you 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 started seeing the onset of the disease when i was when let's say you were 13 or 14 years old and the time that you actually get help medical help right in the form of treatment in the form of let's say psychotherapy in the form of medicines there is at least a gap of 8 to 10 years right and that is because often parents sort of don't take it uh, seriously they sort of you know try to kind of um, rubbish it as saying that oh you know i mean this is just a phase you're going to get over it and oh don't worry so much about it sometimes let's say when there are telltale signs like for example a person is not wanting to appear for an exam or not wanting to go for tuitions because there is serious loss of interest or just this feeling of being completely overwhelmed by what is going on you know parents might think and this has happened in my case as well where you know they would probably think that oh she's being lazy you know and she's not wanting to show up which are very very dangerous signs so you know my question to you both given the fact that you know you deal with this demographic which is the adolescent demographic is that you know a today what is the level of awareness that young people have around mental health because i am assuming that the level of awareness today at least amongst the gen z audience uh, if not the millennial audience which is probably a little older is a little higher mm-hmm. and b 
what is really the role of the parents because the parents have the most crucial role in this in this entire uh, sort of you know dialogue right so right. what is their role in identifying um, let's call it uh, abnormal behavior maybe slightly abnormal behavior um, you know identifying those early signs of something not being right and and mm. also understanding that listen this is a spectrum and uh, then pushing and encouraging the child to actually go and you know seek help or therapy right. or whatever it might be right so uh, it's a very interesting question which i'd like to split india into two aspects one is india one is bharat so bharat right, right. is essentially yeah. tier 2 tier 3 tier 4 absolutely and india yeah. is uh, the metro cities and you know uh, english speaking audience uh, essentially so when it comes to awareness with india is uh, uh, you know essentially the metro cities i think the awareness is immense in the gen z population uh, mm. thanks to you know uh, social media thanks to the internet the awareness and pop culture also to some extent th- thanks to all of that there is a lot of uh, general awareness about uh, you know these issues and there is actually corrective measures also been taken now when it comes to bharat i still feel that there is awareness there is something that's Uh, getting there as well like the there is pop culture that's been created because again only if the mainstream uh, you know uh, movies and shows start showing more of mental health in light that's how these individuals get their information that's how bharat gets their information the fact that shark tank comes on tv right now is why everybody in bharat is also talking about startups similarly you know there is more penetration of mental health concepts going to them because right now their concepts of mental health is what uh, you know agra mental hospital or something like that because that's how that's how bollywood has portrayed mental health issues they've said right. oh yeah. if you go to uh, mental hospital jao and you have seen the way they portray Uh, mentally ill individuals as well you I mean it's appalling it's appalling yeah. in fact i was just reading the other day and i was just so furious when i read that article in indian express you know there is a film called atrangi ray which i yes. of course not watched because i don't watch so much of bollywood but for those that have watched it i mean you know the, the film shows sara ali khan as a as a schizophrenic yeah mm-hmm. and the, the the depiction is just so problematic right and where you know she's actually been said oh pagal hai and things like that which is just the worst thing that i mean these are the stereotypes that one is sort of fighting so hard against right Absolutely. and this whole tag of being mad right i mean Absolutely. that is the biggest stigma that you can attach to somebody who's mentally ill and that is exactly the stigma that prevents people from reaching out for help so i was yeah, thinking that another thing that happened is you know with covid the conversation around mental health really like you know uh, took a Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah. paradigm shift so now again as sagar mentioned on the news also people are watching things about mental health happening these bollywood stars they are trying to see some of them genuinely care about the cause because i'm sure like you know they want to contribute but i feel like yeah some of them they just feel like maybe therapy is a new fad or like if i talk about yeah, yeah. I, i become cool i'll be cool but, and yeah yeah, yeah. the concepts were uh, once it comes into the mainstream for example one one real time i saw it was uh, if you seen three idiots when they showed an a student suicide and they showed it in that light that's mm. when there was some uh, like the entire uh, you know country resonated with that yeah this happens you know there right. is pressure that's being involved in academics and they resonated with that so when it go- gets there is when bharat gets some idea about what mental mm. health is and how do you essentially but therapy and all of this is still not portrayed uh, in the best light or it's not understood really well but we uh, that's another topic but so in terms of the awareness bharat gen z is still getting there but i'm sure since there is a lot of internet penetration they can read up and uh, very uh, like one statistics that we have is that when we conduct a lot of campaigns we don't just get it from metro cities like we we i think the most successful campaign that we had was spread across 27 cities and these were cities and towns i did not know the name of and that was so uh, reassuring mm-hmm. to me that you know there is awareness that's getting to these individuals as well in terms of uh, you know seeking out help and uh, that's uh, that is uh, you know some satisfaction there but it is still uh, of course much lesser than india for that matter and now let's come to the parents of india like when it comes to you know the gen z parents when there is there is awareness but there is also something that i feel is that when it when they see their child struggling they take it as a personal attack 
they feel like their parenting went wrong somewhere and which is why they want to salvage it in whatever way possible before asking for external help which is why it gets so late they're like oh i can fix this it becomes almost like a personal issue that hey how can my child suffer so, so it's more me, like an ego issue that emanates exactly, from this exactly. which is again and, you know which uh, is very which is very I mean, sad, a strange and, yeah, reaction to this strange yeah strange reaction so uh, so they take it upon themselves to kind of fix this they're like oh i'll try and of course they have best interests in mind but again maybe they don't have the awareness that okay this is not a personal attack on you this just this is not a personal loss and that you are facing more importantly yeah. sagar they are not the ones that should be fixing it because they're not exactly. equipped to fix it you know exactly. i mean that is why you have professionals for exactly. this right exactly. but but the fact is and again think, uh, the portrayal of mental health is becomes is is so taboo in the way it's yeah, been portrayed yeah. which is why you know the agra mental hospital there is like there is no way my child is this so i re- still remember distinctly remember this one scene from tare zameen par where the father was in absolute denial that his child has dyslexia that is exactly the reaction any indian parent is going to have but yeah. the reassurance is that as uh, you know parents are getting younger in terms of like this generation or the uh, previous generation they are becoming parents they are much more aware they are much more open to actually you know uh, exploring these avenues because they have more information and one thing that i always think about when it comes to solving this problem is actually sending parents to therapy i always tell this you should send parents to therapy and t- tell them i mean that's a great idea and i yeah. think the message that needs to go to them is that if your daughter or son can have typhoid why can't yeah. they have adhd you know exactly Exactly. I mean, and, and I think that's only once they experience what therapy actually looks like is when yeah. they can actually uh, propagate it to their child as well. Which is why I said, "Melody, how could Jan Jao that ta- tagline always sticks?" So like, "Ap khalo, you right, you see, yeah. you experience this yourself." The best way I can convince you for therapy is not through workshops and seminars, but it's actually through you going to therapy and seeing how different it could be for you. I'm sure our parents could use a lot of therapy as well. It's just that nobody told them that this exists. Whenever somebody asks me, "How do you convince your parents?" I'm like, "Then try and convince them to go to therapy. Don't tell them that you want to go. Tell them that why don't you go one session? I'll sponsor it for you if you want. But you go to therapy and see what it's like. And once they have, they have that acceptance that this is nothing." the you know this is not a big deal in terms of like oh they're not uh, you know uh, uh, you know it's not as serious as uh, it's portrayed in their head and there is a shift in their head in terms of what mental health looks like i think mm-hmm. they'll be more accepting it's because this is also something that that i keep telling them is that the gap of these mental health professionals in our indian parents were filled by babas and sadhus which is why they are so successful oh, and the yes, models yes. are so successful and no but you have that even today right i mean without Absolutely. taking names i mean i'm sure we all know who we are talking we know, about but there are uh, all these babas saying this is the reason for mental illness and this is how you go about treating it and so on and so forth and those and videos are the ones that are one of the most watched videos unfortunately on youtube right so that that's so, something that yeah. highlights the Hi, way they yeah, fill the, uh, you know their gaps in terms of what mental health is and it's wrong information most of yeah, it is wrong information yeah, yeah. so there has to be some shift that comes in there and some scientific thinking that's being put into them uh, through this so it's also, a difficult you know, task but yeah oh yes you, oh yes even even if they're not open to going for therapy themselves we at chitta what we do is sometimes we conduct workshops for parents where we're like if you want to be there for your child and you feel like you know the how to identify signs in case someone struggling if, if your child is struggling with mental health issues things like that so you know how to be a better ally as a parent so we mm, conduct yeah. workshops for parents as well and i think another very like you know interesting point and taboo that you know i've myself heard from like people and their parents is that you know they associate our generation being less resilient they're like hamare zamane mein to we didn't have all of this yeah, yeah is it such yeah. an issue now but you need to understand that you did not have social media back then you did not have a lot of things that impacted your mental health in that sense you know where they and so they struggled to it's I just mean, that they yeah. kept it in under the wraps there was this nothing and uh, i i just think that uh, that's just such an important point that you made nilika because that is a reality right and it's very insightful and i think that you know uh, parents often forget that you know every generation will have its 
own set of problems which are very unique to that generation and it is not an apple to apple con uh, you know comparison ever at all you know i mean for example the kind of academic pressure that a child today goes through right and the kind of expectations that the child has and i mean look at the cut off marks at universities today i don't think parents uh, of children today had that to sort of deal with i mean the com competition has always been there in in a country like india uh just because of the kind of population that we have but it's it's not been the way it is so i think the 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 various stressors that are that a child is exposed today are a lot more than what uh, what it was right mm -hmm. but you know I, i want to kind of now go to move on to actually you know the real problem that you all are solving and obviously you know it's 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 it is a very very serious uh, uh you know topic and i mean when i when i look at all the data around suicide not just student suicide but also suicide in general i mean like like sagar you rightly said it, it, these are mind boggling numbers right these are numbers that should make you stay up at night it's so worrying right and it's happening every day and yet suicide continues to be a very very taboo topic actually more taboo i think uh, than let's say mental health right um how do you as you know a not for profit organization go about addressing this topic i mean it surely it is not an easy topic to have even a conversation on surely i think the response would be oh i don't even want to listen to it because it's just so frightening as a topic and sometimes you you're so uncomfortable with uh, the the topic that you just want to kind of like you said i mean either deny it or just don't want to you know have thoughts around it enter your mind because you feel like oh my god these are just polluting thoughts right mm -hmm. but somewhere you've got to have difficult conversations i'm sure i mean this particular conversation that we are having is not an easy conversation right it is not a very pleasant you know tell me about your holiday in paris conversation right but we we've got to have have this conversation because it's important so how 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 do you address the fact that it's a huge taboo and yet it's got to be talked about because the numbers are staggering and if we don't do something about it now we'll never get around to doing it how do you go about doing that right so when it comes to uh, student suicide i i remember distinctly remember trying to understand the numbers really well and mm. i whenever i opened like uh, you know these news of these i had to do that research even though it was very disturbing for me and uh, i had to do that research and that's when i realized you know these centers these educational centers that you're sent off to when you're a 15 year old or a 16 year old to actually prepare for these entrances be it engineering or medical or these so there are centers one center is in kota rajasthan then you have one center in vizag uh, one center uh, in uh, pala which is in kerala so you have these multiple centers that are opened up which are essentially So essentially they want to cut off all emotional support that you have from your parents from your loved ones so that you can prepare for the 11th and 12th i'll tell you i'll walk you through their experience of a 15 year old or a 16 year old i mean that's that's just yeah. terrifying right it it's is, terrifying it it's like going off to a camp you know absolutely it is a camp so yeah. you enter the camp you enter the camp and uh, you have these hostels where you have you know two beds you are supposed to go to your lecture in the morning uh, stay there for some time come back to your uh, uh, hostel and you're not you can't sleep if you sleep the warden will come to your room and tell you to study and tell you you are good for nothing you have to study your mobile phones are taken away you you get 30 minutes every week to talk to your family just 30 minutes every week if you are if you can't after that your phones are again taken away and they they're kept on the side and the food is terrible i personally had somebody who went to a center like this he had tuberculosis and he couldn't tell anybody because he wanted he was like oh my parents have put so much money now i have to kind of uh, get through this and that's that that was just so i mean i was just like why how why is this happening and he told me uh, the room next to him somebody died by suicide well, you know almost like brainwashing someone I yeah, think, I yeah. think that's what they do. Wherein they feed that image that if you make it to the top engineering colleges or IITs, only then your life is set. Otherwise, you're just a big failure. Like there is and no. Yeah. Otherwise, you're like a poster child of failure, and we are going to kind of use you as an example of what not to do. You know. And 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 really, like 
again coming back to these centers it's normal they take those dead bodies like they're normal these are educational centers they're institutions that are not regulated by the government nobody is asking questions why are so many kids dying here and it is it is mind boggling like it's like if you think about it there are tv shows being made about you know the, the, the tv show's name is kota factory and they've called it a factory yeah yeah and, I, and the one on netflix yes exactly and yeah. i mean uh, if you look at and nobody showing this side and I, i'm waiting for this side to be shown where you are like show me the struggles that these kids face because they do there are only 5000 people or 3000 people who get into these iits and what happens to the rest of them how can a nation dispose their own children like their trash and that's what's and happening sagar here. you know the the thing is that you know this struggle doesn't end with an entry to the iits i mean that's like just the beginning i think you know i'm glad that you already mentioned this because my next question was really about again you know the number of suicides that have happened in the premier institutes so obviously the iits and the iims but also the iiscs and last i think one year we've seen four suicides happen in isc here in bangalore um and and several other engineering colleges but just to look at data uh, i mean in the last 7 years which is 95 to now right there have been 122 death by suicide in premier institutes yeah and obviously we know what the problem is it is the pressure cooker environment that students are kind of put into and expected to excel and this like nilika also mentioned that you know if you that that your sort of idea of success is just so myopic yeah i think but here it's not just uh, the parents to blame it's just the country that we are in uh, i read this in uh, this book called poor economics by yeah Abhijit i mean Banerjee it is they where they treat children as economic investments and that's how oh, they look at absolutely absolutely they look at like and, and this is the individual that will help us get out of our poverty cycle and will help us transcend into something better and when that child is not able to take that pressure yeah i mean it's extremely cultural right i mean yeah. uh, and and this is not a new problem i mean all of us have kind of gone through it right it's just an india problem and it is one of the pitfalls of uh, capitalism we all know that right but the 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 point is you know uh, if i have to now start talking about the solution where do you think the solution lies i mean you know it it clearly has to be about policy changes it clearly has to be about institutions taking the responsibility to say that look we are going to relook at our curriculum uh, we're going to revisit how we probably do our internal maybe you know assessments right uh, so where do you think uh, the solution uh, lies i think that's a wonderful question because uh, yesterday itself we conducted a workshop for you know school uh, students of the 10th grade from dmc schools wherein you know their board exams are coming up and you know there's the pandemic and lockdowns again and things like that so i think at chitto what we try to do is when it comes to say academic stress exam anxiety or you know any other mental health problem that a kid is going through the first thing we try to do is we try to partner up with schools and colleges and through them we try to propagate the idea of mental health that you know there is support available so first uh, you know first of all it would be that you need to be aware that support is available so through workshops we you know uh, try to do these small activities with them where we're teaching them mindfulness or you know how to manage stress day to day stress how do you balance everything so you know just just the fact that to know that support is available that is the first thing we try to do and the second thing that we can do at our level is that you know open up the conversation about around mental health which we're doing through this podcast so you know even if like two students are listening to this podcast tomorrow i'm sure they will start asking questions that they might have never thought of before so conversation awareness is where you begin and then of course you know at the bureaucratic levels wherein we eventually i think sagar and i we started chitto with the hopes that one day we can make a change at the policy level with the government because the mental health act of india yeah. in itself has so many loopholes and you know even at a policy level when you see like a uh, recently a high court judge also mentioned that you know health insurance policies should cover mental health as well yeah yeah right? yeah yeah so i think you know we start here but at the same time policy level changes need to happen institution level changes need to happen where maybe have mental health sessions for kids one lecture or like include that in one of the chapters 
something like that so i think yeah those will definitely so, help and with regards to suicide per se there are a lot of organizations which specialize only in terms of suicide relief so you know we've partnered with uh, one of these organizations where we had a, an instagram live we brought up a professional who's like you know done the full course of suicide training and suicide first aid and so the conversation was basically about how to be an ally and how to provide how to be the first point of contact you know because we're not all qualified professionals so if someone calls me and the person suicidal i can't just directly say that you know i'm not equipped so i'm going to redirect you to a suicide helpline and then the suicide helpline is not picking up so there have been a lot of cases where one of my closest friends was suicidal and she's been struggling with a lot of you know other issues bpd and things like that and she and a lot of people have complained that we call these suicide helpline numbers and we're waiting for 10 minutes and if a person is suicidal they will just lose patience right so in that case they would reach out to a friend and if you are that friend then how do you deal with it so i think we we did like a full training session basically like a first aid kind of support yeah. for mental yeah. health yeah. in terms of solutions for if you're asking me what is a you know solution for this this is something that's a generational change this will take yeah. at least one generation to change i mean the probably that, more than one uh, probably more uh, than you one. know sagar because on, yeah that depends on how aware uh, this so for example if gen z become future parents if they are well aware of mental health issues and things like that if chitta is able to create that awareness with indian students who are again in the future going to be parents of uh, you know the kids there if there is more awareness and there is more accessibilities to the future generations who are going to come and they know okay uh, you know this is these are the avenues that exist so i think when it comes to policy changes when it comes to the changes around you that will only happen when there are more people seriously taking that issue so when that generational i think uh, i i am slightly optimistic that the gen z generation when they become future parents uh, they'll be better parents than the parents that we uh, you know uh, in terms of at least in terms of mental health accessibility they'll be better parents and uh, because acceptance. they have and also. acceptance of course yeah. of course so i think that both of that will play a huge role and i think the policy changes will be a by product of that because there is yeah. A, yeah. more there are more people talking about it uh, the the fact is that uh, it's like it's a very slow change it's very similar i wouldn't say it's very similar but if i have to draw, draw a parallel if you look at remember uh, you know the changes when it comes to polio like uh, in yeah. india polio was an tremendous was a huge issue and the fact that it's eradicated by now mental health will never be eradicated for that matter but the fact that you know the change had to start i think two three generations before us for us to see a polio free india Absolutely. similarly these yeah. these changes will take generations and how many generations they will take will depend on how aware the current generation is or how aware the next generation will be about these issues so if mental health organizations like chitta i always say when when it comes to mental health organizations the more the merrier i want more mental health organizations to pop up in different pockets and them to spread awareness there is absolutely i mean this is honestly just a drop in the ocean you know absolutely. isn't it because and because absolutely. we are already so late to the party you know i mean we are uh we're so late to the party and you know yeah. i was just uh, i was just reading up on manodarpan uh, i'm sure all of you are aware of manod both of you are aware of manodarpan and it's something that the government sort of uh, initiated back in july 2020 in the midst of the pandemic when it, i think really realized the kind of mental health crisis that uh, the pandemic was uh, uh you know resulting in and particularly for students and of course there is a helpline and all of that but i just feel that you know i wish it we didn't need a pandemic for us to be aware of this you know i mean i wish that we had at least this level of awareness 10 years back for us to have been at a much better stage today you know um so i i i 100% agree that this is a very very complex problem that you know you have all of you have set out to kind of address uh, mental health advocates are trying their best to sort of solve and i think that it's so deep rooted and so cultural right and it's it's actually cultural not just to india it is cultural to all of south asia and asia isn't it i mean today india is actually right on top as far as uh, in in southeast asia as far as student uh, suicide is concerned 
and uh, while that is sh uh, just shameful statistics but but i'm sure i mean you know if you look at data from japan data from china it would be equally frightening maybe not as frightful as as ours but i think this is also a very very asian phenomenon right to kind of sagar you rightly said right to use your children as you know investments for the future right that whole culture of now i am going to take care of you and provide for you and give you the best ed education so that you can later on look after me i mean that is also in some way i mean uh, if you keep aside the emotion and all of that it is some kind of a pressure isn't it you know and not everybody would be able to deal with it but you know talking about pressure i want to move on to obviously academics is the biggest stressor and the biggest sort of problem right but i think uh, if i look at, uh, at you know the at least the india audience right uh, if not the bharat audience but i'm sure even the bharat audience to some extent i think that there are several other stress stressors that adolescents and young people today are sort of exposed to i mean if i look at the gen z they're definitely exposed to peer pressure they are exposed to bullying which may or may not actually be connected with academic uh, sort of pressure and the evils of social media i mean in the evils of social media i think is a very real problem for young people because all you're seeing is shiny happy people leading shiny happy lives and you have no idea about the struggles that people are actually going through and you see a highly highly edited version of people's lives and celebrities lives which can't do anything good for your mental health right uh, so talk to me a little bit about insights and learnings um, that you have gathered in the last two years of uh, you know working in chitta and uh, you know leading this movement on these specific issues of social media bullying peer pressure and how all of those also become very very detrimental to to student mental health so i'll quickly cover bullying and i'll let nilika cover social media and the other aspects there so when it comes to bullying i always feel bullying is the first uh, uh, place or the first incident you have as a child where you are systematically discouraged to ask for help i remember being bullied as a child because of multiple factors and it it went on till i was in the 10th grade i was incred i was bullied uh, left right since until there was physical bullying involved and you know what was taboo what was taboo was reaching out for help and telling the teacher hey i'm being bullied you're looked down upon if you uh, if you tell the teacher or complain to the teacher when you complain to the teacher you're a complain box you are somebody and, and who, you're seen as weak, weak you're a weak exactly. person you know exactly yeah. and i used to cry a lot and i was somebody who couldn't uh, help but cry and express that hey i'm i'm hurt i'm not able to uh, deal with this uh but and again i was again called you know touch me not i was called the minute he would touch him or the minute you bully him he starts crying and i still remember my family also telling me you are you are touch me not then in hindsight i realized that that's because i was exposed again and again to such kind of bullying and i was not allowed to complain to my teachers or seek out help if i asked my parents then they would again you know uh, then i would be a uh, distance then pe people wouldn't talk to me at all then i would have to so you wanted social acceptance but you at the same time wanted to reach out for help and both were uh, didn't go hand in hand so you had to sh shut up and get bullied just so that the fact that people again still you know talk to you and there is some sort of acceptance that you have as a child so when a child is systematically discouraged from school itself to stop reaching out for help i think that is Uh, that's also something that uh, perpetuates in terms of them not seeking for help when it comes to you know uh, when they are not doing so well in terms of their mental health or things like that so i think there are these tiny trigger points sprinkled around around your own childhood uh, that you will observe uh, will add on to when you become an adult or an adolescent for that matter and uh, i think bullying is uh number one it's 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 absolutely neglected or misunderstood in terms of what it is uh and what it does to a child and it's looked upon like ha bachche masti kar rahe i still remember my bullying saying ki ragging to chalta hai ragging to hota hi hai school mein after he pushed me and me normalizing ground, normalizing ragging right exactly uh, and i was what like, a thing oh. to normalize you know exactly and i was like okay then as a as a school child i thought okay this is something that's 
you know that happens i can't do anything about it i am a weak child that person is a strong child so i'll have to essentially deal with it and that added to a lot of my, a lot of my personality and in terms of how i shaped my life all of those incidents added up i'm sure i'm thinking i have the benefit of hindsight which is why i realized how these factors affected me or the direction that i took in my life as well i won't get into that but it definitely does play a huge role in terms of how you shape your life in the future and these small incidents do take uh, a lot of times and uh, i'll let nilika cover social media but the fact that covid has hit us and reality has uh, the lines of reality have been blurred in terms of this virtual environment is now real we are step slowly stepping into the web 3 and the metaverse where the real, uh, lines of reality will be further blurred where you will be like oh this is real this is also real so how how does a child navigate through this how does a young individual navigate through the internet which is also called real now and has been accelerated thanks to the covid pandemic and act, the actual real life but uh, nilika please do uh, highlight uh, the social media aspects of it as well yeah i think i think social media is genuinely you know like a two edged sword as piyali mentioned which is you know sometimes of course there's something called getting good content out of it you get to stay in touch with people but at the same time what social media propagates what these companies make money out of is the urgency that they create that you, your time has to be for everyone else right like if someone texts you you get a notification you're instantly distracted and you feel obligated to reply immediately because if you reply after a lot of hours people end up apologizing that there's things which you know people stress about like this person left me on red this happened that happened then someone's commenting something and then that i could take negatively so there's actually a study which shows that we register negative comments on maybe a post that we put much more and for much longer than we would take a compliment so if there are 10 compliments and one negative thing in our comment section we will focus only on the negative thing and you know that leads to a lot of like mental health issues at the same time what's happening is uh, because the generation now is so used to social media they feel like if i have 20k followers on instagram then i'm cool so like attaching yourself worth to these numbers to these things that these companies Absolutely. are actually yeah. created right so that's another thing and then people just forget that you know there's this thing called doom scrolling which is essentially a term given to people so when you're upset you just want to scroll through these memes that you're finding relatable but that's not contributing to your time right at the same time you're wasting it and you're just stuck in this endless loop of scrolling and maybe you see people ha- looking happy on social media and you're like why can't i look happy then you're feeling worse and you're com- you're still scrolling so you're just stuck to the screen right so i think those are a lot of you know things that have come into the play with social media and i think a lot of this needs to be uh, balanced with this concept called digital detox which sagar startup is also talking about and what chitta's also you know brought up it. we've uh, spoken about it in our own podcast which is called mind it so these topics like you know bullying relationship issues mental health issues in general student anxiety or uh, you know things like that all of this we also talk about in our podcast where we're trying to basically get the audience if you want to use the internet maybe listen to a mental health podcast and feel better after it right or maybe listen to a conversation and how, and digital detox is basically knowing when you should save your time for real life and keep some time for the screens and even when you're keeping time from the screens be mindful of the content that you're consuming so you know th- those mechanisms have to be in place like they have to be, have to be in place great um chitta is now about 2 uh, years old right and uh, i'm sure that you know in the last 2 years obviously there have been many many high points you'll have gone on to win the diana award which for everybody that's listening is actually uh, in memory of princess diana and i do know that when this was given to you in june uh, last year prince harry was very much present and he himself is uh, hugely passionate about the cause of mental health having battled mental health disorders and he's sort of championing the cause doing a whole bunch of things in initiatives that he's taken so just walk me through some of the you know the sort of highlights in the last 2 years of chitta and uh, things that you learned things that you um, understood unraveled uh, and obviously some of the key highlights uh, including some of the campaigns that you would have done particularly during particularly during covid to to reach out there were there were a few instances uh, where uh, you know people w- in dire situations 
when i say dire it was like they're almost about to take their life and when they are almost about to take take their life they're incredibly graphic i'm so sorry like uh, i should also put a trigger warning for whoever is listening to this i remember taking up a few of these calls because the number that's given uh, on one of our social you know, on our social media handles and everywhere was my number somebody like just whatsapp you and you know whatsapp is such a personal space where somebody can you know once they enter they're like you know they expressed in graphic detail uh, how they would like they were a med- they were a medical student or something so they're like this is how i want to do it and this is how i'm going to in my life because this i've tried everything i've tried suicide helplines i have gone to the national commission of women i've tried i've written an email to them i've done everything there is absolutely no hope for me and this is the last thing i'm planning to just trying before i take take the step as somebody who's not a psychologist who is an engineer who has never seen any of this i still have anxiety when it comes to taking up picking up calls that are unknown and i still have to do that because it's a part of my job and you know even if i have we have men- mentioned it very clearly that we are not a suicide helpline when people are in that stage we are not thinking about all of this they're just thinking somebody is trying to he- will try and help me on the other end of the line I, w- i was you know first i was just taken aback i was freaking out i was my hands were shaking but i immediately called a mental health professional who were who were a par- who were a partner for network and i told them this is their issue this is some somebody who has come up can you please please take their uh, you know case and they immediately got on call within 2 minutes they got on call uh, with um, you know the individual they talked to them talked them out of it uh, eight sessions there were eight sessions that were conducted Uh, I, there were eight sessions that were conducted, and we, Chitta, of course, sponsored all of their therapy sessions because uh, the situation was that dire. They had no resources for that matter, uh, you know. Uh, and they te- they said something like they texted me and said that you know, Chitta saved my life, and you know, I was giving, I was very ready to give up uh, my life. You guys literally saved me, and I don't know how to thank you. I cried that day. I. i genuinely cried because i went started going to therapy again because of all of this like because all of this became too much for me to handle and too much for me to take but that day when she said that line i just kept the phone and i cried for 10 minutes just loudly cried uh, because it was that taxing for me but i was just also maybe a little glad so it was a mix of happiness sadness i don't know uh i'm i my my voice is breaking right now as well but i was just glad that whatever efforts that we put in actually uh, uh you know transcended into actually somebody uh, getting saved but i'll let nilika cover the highlights of you know campaigns where it's not this person and i'm so sorry if this person uh, no i mean is- you know i don't know how to react and i kept my uh, myself on mute because I felt like my voice will uh, you know crack if I have to say something because this is such an overwhelming thing to even listen to right I mean yeah, I'm so sorry for that so but, close yeah. to no I mean I'm just so grateful that you're sharing this story because I'm sure somewhere if somebody is listening to this uh, would know that there is help out there which is available which is really what we're trying to do with this and that timely intervention and help when it is required if it reaches people it can actually save a life and you you are actually saving lives whether you like to admit it and take credit for it or not uh, sagar and nilika so um, yeah i mean it's it's absolutely overwhelming what what the both of you are doing and i think uh, i remember when you know that text happened because sagar really like freaks out and between the two of us i think he's the more you know emotional one who genuinely gets affected and i'm more of the person that i'm more like okay what can we do next you know how can we help this person i i'm just like i start panicking in that way like you know so i think it sort of works out in that sense with us like how we execute things and i think for me like one of my most emotional moments would be when uh, we two two campaigns actually the first one was during uh, around the first lockdown which was pride and no prejudice so we had a mental health campaign to sponsor therapy for people of the lgbtqia plus community so there again we had you know students reaching out from tier 2 tier 3 cities they would require you know therapists in their vernacular languages as well and at the end of it uh, 
I remember some sessions were such that they would actually have to hide in a room's corner and somehow manage to take the therapy session because something like being gay or like you know uh, not the gender that we know of you you can't is an added your... level of discrimination plus exactly. you have a mental illness right i mean plus yeah. you cannot tell your parents and you are from a tier 2 city so you don't even have a room to yourself to take therapy and when these people like when we could provide therapy to these people and when they were thanking us i think that like feeling is unparalleled like i don't think any award can match up to like the like the kind of satisfaction you take home when you get those people thanking you and uh, another i think campaign which really resonated with us during the second lockdown was when we ourselves uh, opened up an emotional support helpline because a lot of people were complaining that you know we call up these helplines and none of them are responsive so we were like you know what instead of trying to redirect them to other resources let's create our own helpline with our resources so there was a time when we did not think we were going to be able to sustain because what we were doing is we were providing everyone across india like all students free of cost emotional support but at the same time what we were doing is we didn't want the therapists who were providing their valuable time to us to like not make any money so we we were paying them and we were not making any money and we had to sustain like a all india operations which we never thought of so we were literally bleeding dry but luckily there was another organization which helped us and you know they became a, a partner so that's how we could scale up as well and there were like some organizations which provided us with a little bit of donation and to see that kind of support and i and think that nilika I, it was not just students i think that helpline was yeah, for everybody then yeah then we scaled up yeah, yeah then we scaled up to everyone initially we started off with students across india then we made it open to everyone across india like all age groups and that's when i think uh, we helped a few police officers who had were struggling with covid and like few people from the you know older generations where there was this kid who booked a therapy session for her grandmom and uh, you know to find she couldn't she didn't know english so we had to find someone who would uh, console and be there like you know provide emotional support in that language so then them thanking us you know and uh, we actually uh, uh, somehow it just became like a full campaign which like uh, was supported by a lot of celebrities as well we weren't expecting that kind of support but the fact that you know people wanted to be a part of the mental health conversation and they genuinely meant it you know like we had fade souza we had alia bhat we had like these uh, they actually really amplified our campaign which is why we started getting more requests and we could provide support to a lot of people so i think this was really like heartwarming because we started very small you know we thought we'll do something in bombay a small support helpline and then scaling up to india not just for students for everyone with the fact that we didn't know whether we were going to be able to sustain like i remember being on call with sagar he came up with this idea and he's like let's do something of our own and then uh, i got in touch with couple of the people from my team like we have great pe- volunteers as well who are students themselves and uh, they were like you know let us know what how we can help so there were two volunteers uh, neha and samriddhi who were constantly on the other side of the helpline uh, support place and then we set up operations we spoke to therapists there were six therapists with on with us who came on board and they agreed to the low of like you know we couldn't pay much so we were like this is the amount we can pay you for these many hours so if that's okay and they were like yeah it's more than okay they were ready to work for free but we were like you know you still want to compensate so that kind of thing where people come together and like try to execute something is like one of the best experiences i i would ha- have like you know had in chitpur i mean there's just so much to absorb and reflect on this is the sort of conversation that i, I think can go on for hours but i will move on to the next uh, section of of the podcast which is called take 5 with piali which is basically a you know quick five questions uh, with very quick answers uh, and the first one is um, a book on mental health that you would like to recommend to listeners so can i uh, have a very unconventional take on this so uh, this is how i whenever it comes to my mental health or something like that uh, when i want to read a book it's always trying to I always go back to the book that my uh, mom used to narrate to me when I was going to sleep and just reading that would invoke such uh, you know because sometimes people feel like uh, uh, of course absorbing knowledge in terms of understanding mental health is important but if you are personally feeling down go back to that one book or one uh, thing that you used to read it could be as naive as possible it could be the most basic thing that you don't read anymore but go back to that and just spend 
30 minutes or 45 minutes with that book for me it was how i thought my grandmother to read by sudha murthy i think sagar recommended his go to like feel good uh, book for me it's always been very technical you know i i love uh, like how do i manage my emotions better things like that so this is a book that my mom actually gifted to me it's called emo- it's called emotional intelligence so it speaks about how you can handle uh, your emotions better and in, right. in it, it covers topics like conflict resolution like when you're in an argument with a partner how can you be better as a listener and like you know how do you cultivate emotional intelligence because it's not just about being smart it's about being empathetic and things like that so it's by mr goldman so that would be my go to book and yeah uh, pretty much it great uh, complete the sentence mental illness is dot 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 normal couldn't agree more what is the one thing you should not say to someone fighting a mental illness that it's just a phase and just you know like it, it'll it'll pass and you just need to be uh, more resilient and not worry about it and yeah i think uh, something like therapy or like asking for help is a sign of weakness it's not chal daru peene jaate oh that's that's i love that answer <laughs> because i've been told that actually by by an ex boss of mine who i wish i could name and shame but i can't uh, <laughs> your recipe for self care um interesting running uh something i recently discovered uh something i recently rediscovered because i used to love running as a kid and uh, my therapist reminded me go back to you know things that you really enjoyed doing as a kid and see if you still enjoy those things and uh, i started running during the pandemic and it just reminded me of all the times i used to just run like a mad person when i was a kid and uh, i think it's just like you know it gives me that headspace to feel uh alive again so running would be my recipe for my self care but find yours uh for that uh, it's yeah. a lot of people's recipe actually yeah, uh, nilika what about you for me it would be music and journaling like i just like documenting uh, when i'm upset or like when the it's everything actually like i just uh, share incidents that are both happy and like when i'm very much in turmoil so that really helps me fantastic and a message to young people that are going through some kind of uh, mental health issue struggling with their mental health what is that one impactful message that you want to leave them with help is just a text away and uh, i'm going to insert chitta's tagline which is you've got this keep doing the great work that you're doing and saving lives and i mean really more power to the both of you thank you so much guys thank, thank you, you so thank much thank you for episodes mental health trivia less than 20% of children and adolescents with diagnosed mental health problems receive the treatment they need together we can change that that brings us to the end of this episode of the mind podium if you found this conversation thought provoking please do subscribe to the mind podium and click on the bell icon also share it with your family and friends together we can normalize conversations around mental health catch you soon